Hello everyone, I'm Corey and we're talking manpower. Today, I'm with Ms. Karen Taylor. She's the chief of the Manpower and NATO Agreements Division for U.S. European Command, and she's based out of Stuttgart, Germany. Ms. Taylor, thank you very much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So explain to me a little bit uh, about what you do at UCOM. At UCOM, I am responsible for a team of 15 people, and we manage the joint manpower programs for headquarters U.S. European Command and for the U.S. contribution to NATO. That's about 5,500 billets on two joint tables of distribution, and for UCOM, uh, the joint table of mobilization distribution, the reserve manning in, term, uh, in times of crisis. That sounds very, very complicated. So what are the unique benefits and challenges of doing manpower and force management at a combatant command? One of the challenges is unlike the Army, unlike the services, the manpower standards that are outlined in the instructions and the joint instructions for the combatant commands are very open. Uh, we don't have standards. And so on the one hand, that gives us a lot of flexibility, gives the uh, commander a lot of flexibility to organize how he wants. On the other hand, the manpower analysts have a huge open book that people want to do different things to that aren't maybe appropriate uh, in terms of minimum manpower standards. So it can be challenging in suppressing the appetite to do things that we shouldn't be doing. So, but it kind of helps foster creativity in a way because it's like, well, we don't really have strict instructions on how to do it, so let's figure out a way. Well, and that's what one of the benefits is. It's not it's not only challenging, but you have more um flexibility, more ability to structure the things the, the way that need to be structured in support of the mission. It's not as slow of a process as maybe is it, is it, it is in the services. So, you know, here at headquarters, you know, manpower and force management decisions are felt every day because it's, you know, there's just a couple floors away. So how does the leadership's decisions here at headquarters affect you on your day-to-day -day missions? Uh, the same congressional um, decisions and uh, OSD decisions that affect the Army affect the combatant commands. And I think the biggest one that's happening right now is the NDAA said we are going to cut 25% across the department. So just as the Army within the, uh, the big Army, the proper Army is trying to figure out how do we make those cuts and where do we make those cuts, we're doing the same thing in the combatant commands. How do we cut 25% of our military manpower um, to meet congressional intent to downsize? Is there any sort of delay from when Congress makes the decision to when you to when you get word of the news? I mean, obviously there's the time difference, but does that play a role at all? The kind of the delay and um, well, what it makes all of us doing whether we are working for the Army or working for a combatant command is you have to stay knowledgeable about these kinds of decisions. You have to look at the NDAA. You have to try to say what are the impact and then work with, in our case, with the joint staff to say how is this going to be interpreted, how is it going to come down, and what are the expectations of the combatant commands, which is the same thing at Big Army in the high levels they're doing with OSD and with their leadership as well. So I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but what are the types of projects that you and your team are currently working on? 
downsizing in, in response to congressional and OSD um, direction. We are also preparing for a joint manpower study um, that the Air Force is going to lead. However, we are going to have representatives from the Navy and the Army, 12 people, because what we've asked for is with all the changes going on, we believe we need to re-baseline what kind of manpower we need at UCOM. And so they are going to come in for six weeks in April and May and do a top-to-bottom joint manpower study to help us uh, baseline our manpower. So since you work with the different services on a day-to-day -day basis, or at least a regular basis, how do they kind of do it differently than, than the Army do? The Army is um, more structured, and you have an annual update. The Air Force is supposed of, of your manpower documents, and you have the G3 involved, whereas the Air Force, it's through the A1 channels, not through their A3, and we have a little bit more flexibility in terms of doing things out of cycle than we do in the Army. That said, the Army is more flexible on the people side. The Air Force is more rigid in the assignments of people to those billets, whereas the Army says, okay, we know it's coming on the books, we'll help you combat and command. So there are pros and cons from our perspective um, in, in uh, the different services. And to touch on, to, to just kind of buoy off of that a little bit, how's it, how is it doing manpower in an organization such as NATO? Because obviously you're in Germany, and my assumption would be you'd have to work with other manpower analysts from other various NATO partners. So is that, is that challenging, and what kind of benefits and challenges do you, do you derive from that? It's, it's fascinating, in, in my uh, opinion. So NATO is an alliance of 28 nations, including the United States. 26 of those nations give permanent manpower to alliance command structures, to the military structure. Um, they have their own, uh, the NATO Defense Manpower Audit Authority that does the uh, validation of manpower, just as the services and, and the joint staff, uh, really more the services have. Um, but all the decisions that go into these manpower, when let me give you an example. When NATO creates a new structure, um, and they say, Here, here's our new structure, initially there are no nations assigned to those billets. And we have to go through a process, every nation, and we represent the U.S., where we bid for billets. And so we say, I want that billet for the United States. And somebody else says, no, I want that billet for Spain. And so we have to negotiate for billets, which I think is really one of the most interesting parts of what we do. The other thing is when NATO comes up with a new structure, all 28 nations have to agree to it. And so they have to send it out to all the nations and get consensus, which is imagine the bureaucracy we have in the Army or the Joint Staff times 28. Yeah, I can imagine that because we've all got different competing things from their own governments and right. the way they look at the world. Right. Well, everyone, that's all we have time for today. Our conversation with Ms. Karen Taylor will continue on Monday, and until then, have a great Army Day.